Good evening to the faithful and few. <laughs> Good to see you um, in the house of the Lord this evening. As you can see from the slide, tonight is going to be a meditation, which you might not be, for the visitors, you might not be familiar with. We quieten our hearts before the Lord and focus on a particular text and see what the Lord has got to say to us. So tonight, Greatness Through Serving, part of a series of spiritual paradoxes for Christian growth. Greatness Through Serving. Let's read our text together. I trust it is large enough for you to read. Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. But Jesus called them, that is, his disciples, to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's just pray. Our Lord Jesus, you spoke these words here on earth some 2,000 years ago. We pray and ask now that you would speak again through them to us that you would speak to us with power, with conviction through the Holy Spirit, that we might leave this place changed. Would you please do this for us, for we ask it in your name. Amen. Okay. Servant leadership. You might be saying, ah, at last... A paradox that is familiar because the concept of servant leadership is familiar and it's fashionable in our world, is it not? Every single politician that takes to the stand or to office, what do they pledge? I'm going to serve the people and I'm going to serve the nation. And so it's very fashionable for leaders when they come into office to pledge the servant leadership. And so the first thing that we need to acknowledge that servant leadership is not something the world invented. It's not a gimmick. It in fact comes from the Bible, over 2,000 years old, from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you'll see in that slide there a paradox that is familiar but is it? The concept is surely familiar to us, but the practice of this verse, which we are going to see, is not. Go and look at the prisons, and you will see in those prisons some of the politicians that made pledges to serve while they were in office, and that they did not do. Go to the courts, even in Durban, uh, in this day and age, and you will see 
popular politicians at trial, in trials for corruption and self-enrichment, the very ones that promise, promise to serve others. So in fact, servant leadership as a concept is familiar. We understand it. It is not practiced a lot, and it is really actually seen in the world around us. And that is why the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Certainly the, the disciples at the time of Christ knew from practical experience how it works in the world. The Roman dictators and the, the emperors, they were essentially dictators. They were terrifying people. Often they were unrestrained in their power. They would indulge themselves. They would enrich themselves. And there was very little to restrain them and to stop them. If they wanted to take out rivals, they would simply send the army and kill them. There was no United Nations to appeal to, no court to keep them in check. So the disciples at the time of Christ, Christ could say to them, you know how the Gentiles rule and lord it over people. And we also know that, don't we? We know that. We just look, as I mentioned, at our political landscape, number of high-profile politicians in court in our land, even at this time who mouthed servant leadership when they came into the office, and now they have been entangled and caught in self-enrichment and in corruption. So let's see what the Lord Jesus has to say to us about being great in his kingdom and servant leadership. So, four headings. The first heading, let's identify the paradox very clearly in this passage. This is such a good question. What does it mean to be great in God's kingdom and to be first in the kingdom of God? What should we be and what should we do if we want to be great in God's sight and in the kingdom of God? Well, we are given a very clear answer by the Lord Jesus Whoever wants to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now, we must understand that this must have been really shocking to his disciples. In the first century in Rome, to be a slave meant that you were nothing. You had no value. Well, maybe you had a few denarii value whatever the master paid for you, but essentially you were just a, an asset and you had no value in and of yourself. Your sole purpose was to benefit another and that is your master. And this should give us as, a sense of shock and if it doesn't, it's because we do not understand what it was like to be a slave 
at that time and what the Lord Jesus was speaking about. What was it like to be a slave at the time of Christ in the Roman Empire? Well, I guess you would work the whole week and you would always be on call in the morning, at night. There was no, if you were a slave, there was no me time. There were no unions that would set a limit on the maximum number of hours that you could serve and then you must have your lunch break or your tea break. In the middle of the night, if the, one of the children in the household vomited, they would call the slave, and even if you're sleeping, you have to come and sort it out. You have to do all the dirty work. Even if you had a kind master who might give you a little time off, but then the mistress of the house decides to throw a dinner party, your time off is gone, You've got to come clean the house, you've got to come cook, and afterwards, you've got to wash the dishes. If the master needed a new license disc for his chariot, guess who would go to the Roman Department of Transport and stand in the queue to get that? It was you. 24-7, on call, there was no such thing as whether it was convenient for the slave whether it suited him, whether it was his me time and his need to take a break now, nothing like that at all. As a servant or as a slave, you had no rights. You couldn't indulge in self-interest. You were simply there at the beck and call of your master or mistress to serve and to do whatever they wanted you to do. You couldn't say no. You couldn't say, sorry, I'm sleeping. You had to basically serve. And what the Lord Jesus is saying to his disciples and saying to us, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you must become like that servant that they saw at the time. If you want to be first in God's kingdom, you must become like a slave, a nothing. And that is a paradox and must have been really shocking to the first century disciples. A servant was not great. A servant was essentially nothing. But you become great in God's kingdom by becoming nothing. And that is a paradox for us. So, let's go in our second heading. Let's go in a little bit more depth and try and explain and understand this paradox. And there are just going to be four subheadings as we go into this. Firstly, so how do the Gentiles do it in terms of ruling and reigning? And we've spoken a little bit about this. It uses that expression, so it's speaking of here, great people in the eyes of the world. Everybody aspired to be the Roman emperor or to be in office over one of the provinces in the Roman Empire. Uh, Pontius Pilate certainly really strove. He was ambitious to be what he was in the Roman Empire. So people were scurrying for positions of power, rulers, and the great 
in the eyes of the Lord. That's what the Lord, that's what the Lord Jesus is speaking about. Great, trying to be great in the eyes of the world. And the way they did it was to lord it over the subjects under them and to exercise authority over them. These two expressions, lord it over and exercise authority, are phrases that the Lord wants us to understand a way of ruling. It means that these people would therefore assert themselves. It implies being domineering. In that would be things like self-enrichment, using your authority for self-gain, not being considerate. That didn't feature in the way the Gentiles ruled and exercised their authority. No care for others, exploitation, abuse, trampling over others, and certainly self-seeking. That's how the Gentiles did it. And that hasn't gone away with the rise of democracy in our recent history. Yes, democracy certainly has introduced more restraints, but those who rise to power, even in democracy, give lip service to serving and to, to ruling through service, but yet it is still the way of the world that those who come into power use their authority to lord it over others, to enrich themselves, to trample over others, and to get their own way. That is how the Gentiles do it and how the world does it, and that is how they will continue to do it. But the Lord Jesus is saying in this passage that it must be different in the church. Look at that word there, yet. So the Lord Jesus is now drawing a contrast between the world and he says, yet it shall not be so among you. And that not is emphatic. The Lord Jesus is expressing his will to his disciples and he's saying to you, look at the Gentiles, look how they rule and exercise their authority, yet it shall not be so among you. It is among you. In the church, it shall not be like this. In the kingdom of God, you will not exercise authority in this way, and you will not be great by being like the Gentiles and the Gentile rulers. Amongst believers, it must be be different. There should be a godly ambition to be great. Did you notice that in the text? Look again. The Lord Jesus says to his disciples, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. He does not say to them, it is sinful to desire to be great. He tells them how they can be great in God's kingdom. So he wants us to be thinking, how can we be great? As God's people, how can we be great in the kingdom of God? 
How can we be great in God's sight? We're also going to see very soon with the answer that he gives to become a servant or to become a slave, he wants every one of his children to become like that. In other words, we should all have a godly desire and ambition to be great in the kingdom and to be great in the sight of God. That should be your and my ambition and our desire to be the best possible Christian that we could be. And how do we do that? How is greatness achieved in the kingdom of God? I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this point, really just to dig into this text. So bear with me and focus your hearts and minds on what the Lord Jesus has to say here. So we have seen this. To achieve greatness in God's sight and in the kingdom and in the church is to become a servant and to become a slave. Now, I want you to notice something very important. The Lord Jesus said here, let him be your servant. He did not say, let him become God's servant or God's slave. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you are to become a servant of the people in the church. You are to become a servant of other believers. Just look around you in the church tonight. I know it is unusually sparse. Do you want to be great? Look at the people in front of you and behind you. And what the Lord Jesus is saying to you and I is we must make a conscious choice. We must make deliberate acts to become servants to the people sitting in front of you, behind you, and next to you. If you're not saying to yourself, what? Then you haven't understood what the Lord Jesus is saying to you and I. The Lord Jesus is saying, you need to become a slave with that understanding of what slave is, to the people sitting here with us tonight, to the church of HBC, a conscious choice that you are going to become a servant to the people sitting around you and to this body, Hillcrest Baptist Church. In Matthew 25, when the Lord Jesus was speaking of the great judgment, he spoke to the sheep, the righteous, and he's, he welcomes them into the kingdom and he says, For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, when I was sick. And they said, When did we do this to you, Lord? As you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You see what the Lord Jesus is saying? Is if you call yourself my servant, 
you need to express that servanthood through becoming a servant to the believers around you in fellowship with you and in the church. It's the same principle as 1 John 4 verse 20. Speaking of something slightly different, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Exactly the same principle. If you say you are a servant of God, a slave of God, but you don't serve your brothers and sisters in Christ in this place, you are a liar and you do not serve God. That is what the Lord Jesus is saying to us. Whoever wants to be great among you, let him be your servant. A servant of believers and people in a church or in a body. We need to dwell and make sure we understand what the Lord Jesus was saying by being a servant and a slave. You need to say to yourself and you need to have an attitude that I am your servant and I'm a servant of this church and of every single believer who is a member in this church. So if you've ever asked yourself the question at Hillcrest Baptist, so why is it that I sometimes have to go without so that I can give to somebody else in the church? Here is the answer, because that is what a slave did. A slave in the first century went without a lot of stuff. They didn't have me time. They didn't have conveniences. They didn't have families. Often, they had to forego all of that to serve their masters. So why do I sometimes have to go without things so that others in the church can have things? It's because I am their servant. I am their slave. And the Lord wants me to serve them in this way. And that means that we will see real acts of sacrifice because that is what a slave did. We will sometimes go without in our lives and in our families to provide something for someone else in the body of Christ because that is what a servant did. And if you say, it's not fair. Why must I go without? Then you have not understood what the Lord Jesus is calling you and I to hear. Achieving greatness in the kingdom of God comes through seeing yourself as a slave of the people sitting around you and of this body. A slave works for the benefit of the master. Is this what we are like here at Hillcrest Baptist Church? Is this what you are like? 
Is this your attitude? Is this how you see yourself? Is this what I am like? I suspect that we still have a long way to go. I have a long way to go, and you probably have a long way to go. I think as a church, if we embraced this paradox here and really took to heart what the Lord is saying to us, I think our rosters would be oversubscribed. Too many people volunteering and not enough works of service to do. I think if this was true of us, we would spend a lot more time, a lot more money, a lot more of our energy to benefit, to bless, and to serve those people around us. And we would pursue our comforts less, we would pursue our interests less, and we would pursue our ease less. Because a slave did not pursue any of those things. And if we are not doing that, then to be honest, we are not really concerned about being a slave to the people in this church. And so if you are not serving here, or if I am not serving in this church, no matter what we think of ourselves and how spiritual we may think of ourselves or how godly we may think we are because we know doctrine, if we are not serving the body of Christ, we are not great in God's sight because we become great by becoming a servant or a slave of the people in the church. I do have one question, quite an important question. Does this also apply to elders in the church? After all, doesn't Hebrews 13 verse 17 say this? Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. The principle that the Lord Jesus is teaching in Matthew 20 applies to us all, including elders. Even though those elders do exercise a rule in the church, and the church is called to obey them and be submissive to them, Yet, what the Lord Jesus is saying, becoming a servant and a slave of the church, applies to elders as it applies to every single person in the church. Let me explain. All of us are given gifts by the Lord Jesus Christ to serve the body. Everyone. The elders need to have particular gifts to serve. They need to have a good doctrinal understanding of the word. They need to be able to teach. They need to be able to lead. They need to be able to have wisdom and discernment from God's word. And they are to use those gifts to serve you and to serve me and to serve the church. 
They are not to use those gifts for self-enrichment, self-promotion, for self-indulgent. And everybody in the church is given gifts and energies and abilities, and you are to see yourself as a servant of this church and to use those gifts and graces to serve the church just like the elders do. Is this you? Do you consider yourself to be a slave to those people who are sitting around you? Is that me? That is what the Lord Jesus is asking. We are going to move quite quickly now. We are coming close to the end. If your concentration has been lagging a bit and, bit and you've had a heavy down run, but uh, the demand of this paradox. This verse places quite a heavy challenge and demand on you and I. And I hope that the Holy Spirit is laying that on your heart. It takes quite great faith and humility to see yourself as a lowly servant of the people sitting around you. What it means is that you are prepared to lay aside your rights, your comforts, your ease, and the things that you want, you set them aside to serve others. And that means that you or your family might sometimes go without so that you can assist those people in the body who are battling and who need help. You and I can only do this if we have a great desire to be great in God's sight. Do you have a desire to be great in the sight of the Lord and in his kingdom? Then the Lord Jesus is calling you to become a slave and a servant of the people sitting around you. This is one of the most demanding paradoxes that the Lord Jesus has spoken to his church and to you and I. And I don't believe that there are many Christians who are a great example of this. I must also just say this, that this paradox demands that you and I be involved in a local church, right? How are you going to be a slave and a servant of other believers if you are not attending or not a member of a local church and being involved? You cannot do this verse remotely, and you cannot do it online. It is simply not possible. It demands that you are involved and attending and serving in a local church. How else are you going to be a servant to God's children? It demands that we are part of a body and that we take that seriously and that we have a great desire to be great in the eyes of the Lord 
not in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the Lord. And so we will be prepared to humble ourselves and to serve and see ourselves as slaves to those people sitting around you. It is a demanding paradox from the Lord. Our last heading, just a few more slides. It, these are paradoxes for spiritual growth. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I just want to point you very quickly to the example of Christ in this verse. Did you see it there? We are to become servants and slaves just as in like manner. If we are to grow, growth in Christianity means becoming Christ-like. That is what it means to grow. And here is Christ-likeness displayed in this passage. If you want to display Christianity and Christ-likeness, you have to do it through humility and service. Look at what our master did for us. He did not come to earth to be served. He could have been served if he'd have wanted to. Angels, all the wealth, all the empires belonged to him. He could have had exquisite luxury, the grandest palace you have ever seen in all the world and in all of history. He did not come to be served. But he came to serve and to give. Not like the Gentile rulers who came to take. He came to serve and he came to give. And what did he give? He gave his life a ransom. He gave his life a ransom. Everything. It cost him everything. And he gave his life for many. You know who that many is? It's you and I. That is what the Lord Jesus did for us. Growing and becoming great in the kingdom of God, I trust that that is your godly ambition and the way that you do it is like this. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Our Lord and Savior, we marvel at your example to us that you would stoop to become 
my slave and my servant and to serve me in this way and to serve each of your people, each of your sheep in this way, how you humbled yourself for us. I pray for myself and I pray for every person here for power, for strength to humble ourselves to break the pride that is in our hearts, to humble ourselves and to see us as servants of you and as servants of your children in this place. We ask this in your name. Amen.